0: Welcome to Eerie Query, the podcast where three best friends share weird tales and weirder questions, all from a queer perspective. I'm half of this week's host, Allie Lendon.
1: I'm Jordan Grimm.
0: And I'm Bree Brubaker. Today we are finishing our story. We used to live here. This is parts three and four, together. I am ready for the
2: shocking conclusion. Yeah. Ooh. I am... Um, I was going to say, I haven't been able to sleep (laughs) since the last part, but we're recording this all in one evening, so. Now you're in on the joke. You're welcome. I'm happy I explained it to you.
1: (laughs) That makes it extra funny.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I'm
1: hilarious.
0: (laughs) Are we starting with a question? Are you ready for a question? Yeah.
1: I'm ready for this jelly. Okay.
0: Okay. I want this jam.
2: (laughs) So, my question for you this Mm -hmm. evening um, I have been. My current special interest right now um, is crystal collection. Mm. And I want to know what crystal best represents your personality? Hmm. Jordan, you gotta go first. Okay. Allie is immediately going to the Google machine. Oh. Yes. So the
1: thing is, is I know, like, the meaning and stuff and, like, a lot, some of the properties of a lot of the stones. is just what encompasses me. Um,
2: and I wouldn't even, like, if you want to go for, like, we have the similar features route. I dig it. If you want to be like, mm-hmm. this one's got stripes and I like that I'm stripey. Then that's also chill.
1: I feel like as a person, I'm really indecisive. And for me to, like, do anything or make some kind of move, I need a little bit of a nudge. So I would say that I'm probably clear Mm quartz.
2: Because
1: it is pretty. It is useful. But you have to, like, it's an amplifier, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. spiritually. So, like, it's not really going to do anything do much on its own like you have to pair it with your own intention or like put it next to something
2: i immediately like was like it's like a coenzyme which
1: i mean kind of
2: <laughs> anyway yeah
1: <clears throat> yeah and it I also like comes that. big and small and you can put it on necklaces i like that about it
2: <laughs> I like that too. People wear you around like jewelry. Mm-hmm. Take you out, show you off.
1: Yes, please do As you someone. <laughs> I appreciate that. Have you have you found one that you like, Allie? Okay. Excuse
0: me. I actually didn't know how appropriate this is. Oh. So I want to take you on a journey of 3. Okay. Okay. So when I was in high school, at our six-month anniversary, my ex got me a Peridot necklace. Peridot. Peridot. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh huh.
0: Per Peridot actually is the
1: right the reason. right one. Yeah. Yeah. That's to make sure I understood. It's,
0: oh, sorry. <laughs> and Peridot means like growth
1: mm-hmm. and
0: finding harmony, mm-hmm. which that not because of my ex, but I wore it for about six years. This necklace. Mm -hmm. and I really think that was a time of growth, and then a week before we broke up, the necklace went missing and in my apartment and I searched for, it, never found it again.
1: I remember when this happened.
0: Yeah, and it was very much like it just needed to leave my life, and then I bought myself an Alexandrite because I like the color, it's similar to my name and I didn't realize that Alexandrite means prosperity
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is the first time in my life where I found like prosperity and like I come into who I am and got into enjoy that. Oh! And then when I got engaged, um, I have a necklace and ring on, and all my stuff is London blue topaz,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: which stands for love and loyalty. Oh,
1: weird question is uh-huh. that our the three of our birthstones no because alexandra it's mine isn't Parado peridot yours no
0: mine is uh sapphire
1: turquoise, uh, and yours is turquoise.
2: but mm. or aquamarine i think
0: oh, it's okay. funny because these gems i specifically associate with specific times in my life yeah and mm-hmm. i never looked up the meaning but the meaning fits perfectly what stage i was in i love that yeah that's and, p- literally the growth went missing when i didn't need it anymore mm-hmm. my growth was eventually leaving yeah that behind yes. and coming into the prosperity of who i am that's amazing I'm here for that i <laughs> didn't mean to get deep but
1: no bring, give it to us give us the depth we're crawling
0: just like my beautiful london blue topaz it's very Engaged pretty me, diamonds are a scam true mm-hmm. Free. what are you oh shit
2: i thought i knew but now reminded me of um, rings and I'm like
0: maybe Mm. I am that
2: one so mine might also be a (gasps) three A three fur. a three fur. um so okay I got it I got it I got it sorry um I do think I definitely have similar properties to amethyst Mm -hmm. I have a lot of amethyst around my house
0: yeah you and that's my mom's yeah i know i I know it's common like i know everybody loves amethyst but there's a reason it's mm -hmm. it's beautiful i also disagree i think amethyst is underappreciated do you Mm. i absolutely do i think only cool people like amethyst and Mm. see the benefits of it like that yeah
2: well it's like a powerful and
0: protective stone
2: so that's kind of like my relationship with my friends i'm pretty Mm. protective and um it's got a lot of like outward love in it um also i like the color it's kind of got like a little bit of an ugly exterior like Mm. most geodes yeah i don't know not that i i call myself ugly i just mean like i can be a little rough and tumble Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but actually i'm really soft and i am protective
0: also like rocks are cool too (laughs) but holding more inside is a really cool thing yeah yeah oh yeah i like that Mm -hmm. Um, I also really resonate with
2: um, Angel Aura Rose Quartz. Mm-hmm. It's the platinum
0: um, coated. I was Rose gonna Quartz. say Rose Quartz was my guess for you. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I just y- you give off Rose Quartz energy. Oh, it's true. That's <laughs> the nicest thing anybody's <laughs> <I laughs> ever said to me. <laughs> That's so funny.
2: Yeah. Um. It's the. It, it's you know crystal of self-love mm-hmm. um and i've been like going through my little journey and all that mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i think like yeah i've always really liked myself mm-hmm. but there's like that shiny outer coat mm-hmm. with the angel aura that i'm like yes i'm a
0: bad bitch and now i like actually really like myself
2: mm-hmm.
0: um i also see rose corsets so like inner peaceful mm-hmm. and i i really just love that idea yeah me too. Um, and Morganite
2: is what my mm-hmm. ring is. It's really mm-hmm. durable, but it's also um, a gem associated with romance mm-hmm. and um, passion. And I'm not a particularly outwardly passionate person, mm-hmm. but I, I got a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I love the people that I love a
0: lot. It's just rock hard feelings. <laughs> just super durable, nine on the most. Scale of it's emotions.
2: <laughs> Jesus. <Yes. laughs> Incredible. Um, well, I really did not think this was gonna get that deep. Yeah. I enjoy knowing what our crystals are and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They all make sense. They all make a lot of sense. They
0: do. Come
1: on Twitter and tell us about your favorite crystals. Yeah. What yes. do you think represents you?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, and tell us about your journey or how different facets of you yes. fits different crystals. I really like this. We
2: want to hype you up. Also, yeah. you know, you want to tell us about your therapy journal? We're not going to have a uh, journey. Yeah. We're going to root for you. Like, mm-hmm. we love self-improvement, self-care, mm-hmm. taking care of your own self.
0: Especially if it's in crystal metaphors.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, especially.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: Well, oh. part of my brain, when you asked what type of crystal are you, my brain wanted to go. Meth. Meth.
2: Literally. <laughs> <I> knew
0: it. <laughs> Okay, so I read a book where they put meth in Mountain Dew.
2: So it's like taking Adderall and drinking Mountain Dew?
0: Yeah, but I feel like the meth bag in a Mountain Dew is like Jordan's hometown energy.
1: No, fair. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I grew up. Good old, that was our, our drink. That's what they would serve at lunch at school. (laughs) Love
2: that for you. Mm -hmm. Now that we've um, (laughs) gotten like all in touch with our feelings, let's hear more about this creepy ass family. Honestly,
0: I can't even give you a rundown. You got to listen to the first two episodes. It's true. There is too much to summarize it. I will just say, uh, she hears her girlfriend's ringtone playing from the basement. Ooh. Last thing we heard. We just
1: dropped in it. And the
0: peekaboo lady. And the peekaboo six foot tall maybe lady. Maybe changeling. I'm pretty sure it's a changeling.
2: Maybe ant yeah. person.
0: Maybe ant. No, the ants don't like her. Ooh, she's no, an maybe eater. she's made out of
2: ants. And ants are like her feelers into the world. And she's Ooh. sending them out.
1: Yeah.
0: True. Hey, yeah.
1: Don't shit on my ideas, Allie. <laughs> He
2: I, me. I support
0: you. I support you. Like I don't think I said no. <laughs> Thomas and Paige stared at me, both playing dumb, pretending they couldn't hear Charlie's ringtone. Oscar worthy shit. But I didn't have time to appreciate the performance. If Charlie was somehow in the basement, then she might be hurt or worse. I needed to get down there, call the police and find her now. Tucking away Paige's phone, I started out for the kitchen, out of the kitchen. Eve, where are you going? Said Thomas. Ignoring him, I hauled across the room, snagged the flashlight from the couch, and, Eve, you can talk to us. He grabbed me by the arm. Oh fuck no! Yeah, don't touch me. Don't fucking touch me. Yeah, smack him with a
1: flashlight.
0: Yeah. Step back. Silence. They just stared at me, wide eyed, scared even. Good, they should be. Eve what's what's wrong? he stammered, still giving a top notch performance. Bravo. Flashlight clenched in my hands like a weapon. I eased back towards the basement door. Slipping aside I slammed it shut. Darkness. With both hand with both hands grasped around the knob, I braced for Thomas to follow, but he didn't. I listened for a moment, no footsteps, only muffled voices. I pressed my de- ear I pressed my ear to the door. What if she finds? said Paige, but I couldn't make out the rest. Doesn't matter now, Thomas muttered, a barely audible response. What were they talking about? Who knows, probably some death cult fuckery. Just find Charlie. Convinced Thomas wouldn't follow, I crept back then spun around and hurried downward.
1: None of these... I was, like, rooting for her, and then none of these decisions are, like, sound.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, where's her knife? Where's her gun? Something. To be fair... This is the protective amethyst coming through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I heard my partner or my friends bring Mm -hmm. Tone in a basement that I already knew was creepy, and I thought they were out, I would also...
0: And she doesn't. She now has the other phone too, so I feel like she has some power and a flashlight. Oh, did she take the phone with her? Yeah, she did. She and put it in her pocket, the
1: flashlight itself has been proven it's not reliable. I just think she could have grabbed a kitchen knife.
0: Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I think a flashlight. I don't even mean for light. I mean for whacking things.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair. She
0: needs. She needs. I have like a little
2: stabby stick mm. that's a blunt force weapon, yeah. but also a flashlight, but also a strobe. Yes.
1: oh the stoker of the she has a fireplace. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: We
0: need a stoker for
2: our fire uh, Yes. Just in case. Just
0: in case. At the base of the stairs I pulled out Paige's flip phone and punched in nine one one. Two ringtones. A young woman answered, Nine one one operator, what is your emergency? Home invasion. If you can get outside or barricade yourself in a room. Okay, sure. After I find Charlie. Name? Eve. Eve Palmer. Eve, are you hurt? No. Is the intruder still in your house? Yes, there's more than one, actually. Can you describe them? A man, a woman, and... I trailed off. Can you just send help? And? Three kids. Three kids? Yeah, they're uh, a family. And they've threatened you? Yes, well, not the kids, but the parents did. Technically a lie, so sue me. Are they armed? Possibly. I think they hurt my girlfriend or they're holding her hostage. There's another woman in the attic, too. She might be the guy's sister. I don't know. Just send help now. Address? 3719 Heritage Lane. That's apropos. Mm. Ma'am, a car has already been dispatched to your location. Great, thank you. No, what I mean is someone from this address has already called in a disturbance. A disturbance? Yeah, a five, a 5150. Was that you? No. Let me guess. Thomas called it in. Worthless piece of shit. Ma'am? Fuck. Did I just say the last part out loud? Eve, I, I'd like you to stay on the line until police arrive. You should know the storm has delayed response times and... That's when I noticed the blood. A trail of tiny red dots splattered on the ground. I lowered the phone to expect and upstairs a sudden crash followed by heavy scraping across the floor a flood of footsteps like dozens of people marching around puffs of dust wheezed from straining floorboards above me what the hell was going on focus eve i flipped the phone shut authorities were on route that's all that mattered even if thomas called them in first what would he say when they got here um, it's actually my house because I put a rocking chair in the living room. Good luck with that one, buddy. Following the trail of blood, I entered a long, narrow hallway. Doors on either side. Symmetrical. Numbered. It almost looked like a prison. The fuck? Flashlight in hand, I pushed forward. The scattered line of blood led straight ahead, past several doorways, and curved into an open room. A musty, brick-walled nook. Continuing into the back corner, the blood ran over a pile of unbanding clutter. I beamed light through the mess. Behind it, a blocked doorway. I started grabbing debris and tossing it aside. Up above, the scraping and footsteps grew louder. A rickety, percussive drone. Finally, I cleared away the old trash and opened the door. Are we mm. sure barbarian isn't based on I've
1: this? I've been thinking about that the whole time. If anyone's seen that movie recently...
0: This feels...
1: Like, this could have inspired that.
0: Fully. Fully. Like, half of it. Wow. A long, uneven staircase receded downwards into a darkened void. So, barbarian, again. Mm Mm-hmm. A basement within a basement. Come on. Suddenly, the sounds from upstairs cut short. Silence. Behind me, two quick, shuffling scrapes. I spun around, aimed the light into the doorway. Empty. Empty. Uneasy, I turned back and redialed Charlie's phones. Two tones rang out. In the darkness beyond the bottom of the stairs, Ludwig's classic riff chimed to life. Okay, creepy sub-basement, here I come. At the bottom of the steps, the trail of blood ended. Hard stop. Did it start or finish here? I stepped forward into a vast, shadowy room. Down here, Charlie's ringtone pinged off the walls, echoing from every direction. Weary, I struggled to get my bearings. The circular glow from my flashlight revealed the room bit by bit. Almost looked like a, an abandoned mine. Cave-like. <clears throat> Makeshift. Bizarre. What the
1: fuck? Oh, I bet the forest entrance leads there.
2: Yeah. There, Yeah, for sure. There's like a cave that leads to it. Yeah. I
0: didn't even fucking think about that. Yeah. Um, no thank you. Mm -hmm. strained wooden beams struggled to keep the earth at bay the room itself was filled with paintings stacks and stacks of paintings what? but none of them were hanging they were just strewn on the ground leaning against the dirt walls piled up in the corners Charlie's ringtone stopped and for a second its echo lingered in the stagnant air silence I redialed but this time calling from down here it didn't ring I checked the screen no service charlie i called out nothing determined i wondered wandered deeper maybe there was something here something that would make sense of all this insanity but there were only paintings and every single one of them was more or less the same depictions of this house in different contexts half built fully renovated abandoned burned down to a crisp
2: that's fucking creepy why are they so obsessed with this goddamn house? I love it. I don't understand. I don't, but. Oh, ho, ho. I have not ever been so attached to something that I was like, you know what? I'm going to paint this from every fucking angle.
0: And I think that's what makes it so horrifying. The obsession. Yeah.
2: I think what makes it horrifying is the person in the attic. <laughs> also
0: true. Yes. The blood Yeah, in the blood. An exceptionally odd one portrayed the windows and doors swarmed with tiny black dots. And Ants. Jinx. <laughs> mm. Who painted these? Was it Abigail? Did she make the one above the fireplace too, the smiling turtle in the attic? As I crept forward, my light swept across a painting with people in it. I crouched down for a closer look. It was a family. Standing in front of the house, a Rockwellian couple with two children, boy and girl. The father was nearly the splitting image of Thomas, no, right no. down to his perfect teeth. You know, the, the young girl looked sad, despondent. The boy had Thomas's eyes. This had to be his family painted when he lived here as a kid. Thomas, his sister, Abigail and their parents. They looked so traditional, so serious. It almost made the family upstairs look fun in comparison. Almost. I was about to step away, but I squinted. In the painting, young Thomas looked out of place, like he was put there after the fact by a lesser artist. His dimensions weren't quite right. His arms were just the slightest bit too long, his mouth the slightest bit too wide. Even his texture looked off. off. I pressed my thumb tip against his face, The paint for him felt different from the rest. Cheap, acrylic, cold. Unnerved, I pulled away my hand, leaving behind a pinkish smear where young Thomas's jaw used to be. A gleam caught my eye. I swiveled to look, but it was just an unlit oil lamp. It sat atop a cramped desk covered in stacks of black leather journals. And above the desk, Across a horizontal support beam, a message, scrawled with olive green paint. Thomas Foster is not my brother.
2: Oh, I knew it. Okay, there is a changeling, but what is it's not. It's not a changeling. What is the one where um people like and ins- or not people, but like, things get inserted. It's it's almost like the mandala effect but it's yeah. like um
0: i don't know the term shit that's creepy Mhm. Mhm.
2: also like um if he painted himself into the picture why didn't he use a fucking varnish like why
0: was she able to take the paint off <laughs>
1: Dumbass. yeah i was like is it that fresh too that she could smear it
0: well just not sealed no yeah. painted, it was sealed yeah and i think it was painted over a varnish yeah like he added himself later yeah okay i crossed over the desk lamp still had oil and beside it lay an old pack of matches i struck one and held it to the lamp until a dim flickering glow glow stammered to life shaking out the match i looked around absorbing the room in all its weirdness distorted jittery shadows cast over precarious picture frame towers in the far corner lay a dirt stained mattress overgrown with roots covered in dust Hadn't been touched in years. Was Abigail sleeping down here? Above the bed hung a rope ladder leading up to a hole in the ceiling. Did that connect to the dumbwaiter? Turning back to the desk, I grabbed a journal from the nearest stack. Maybe this would explain what was going on in here. I flipped through, but every single page was filled to the margins with Thomas Foster is not my brother. Thomas Foster is not my brother. Thomas Foster is... Unless I tossed it aside and grabbed another. You are part of the house. You are part of the house. You are worthless. I snagged the next one. You are not who they say you are. You are not who they say you are. You are nothing. Nothing but the meaningless rambles of a seriously unstable person. I bet a thousand bucks, the next one said. All work and no play makes Abigail a doll girl. But what did she mean Thomas wasn't her brother? I was about to turn away when I, when I noticed a solitary deep red journal tucked away at the bottom of the furthest stack. I shimmied it out, cracked it open, and skimmed through. He does not like it. No. Entry after entry of young Abigail talking about moving into the new house, her aspirations to become a painter, how she felt out of place in her own skin. I kept flipping through, glimpsing handwritten moments in Abigail's tragic life. All the while looking for something, anything that would help me. She wrote about the kids at school, how they tormented her for being too tall, how they called her Drabby Abby, Drabby Abby, Drabby Abby. She wrote about the time she shaved her head, how her parents, as punishment, locked her up in the attic until all her hair grew back, how they sent her food rations up through the dumbwaiter chute. Oh, good grief. How on the first night locked away up there, she awoke covered in ants. Swarm from head to toe. (gasps) She wrote about how she hated being an only child. An only child? Then, she wrote about how Thomas was not her brother. How he came from the woods in the light of day. How he lived here before the house was even built. Before the trees were planted. Oh, no. How he was trying to drive her mad and nobody believed her, not even her parents. How he was trying to turn her into... Something caught my periphery. I looked up. Ants. Above the desk from a a crack in the wooden beam, a trail of ants crawled out of the olive green O in Thomas. Okay. Slipping the red journal into my back pocket, I followed the trail as it disappeared behind a stack of rotting picture frames. They rounded a corner and stretched down an ever-narrowing passage, receding into darkness i raised the flashlight flicked it on and a woman standing at the end of a dead-end passage with her back turned not charlie too tall it was abigail it had to be wearing an off-white hospital gown just like in the attic but somehow it looked like she'd been standing there for years almost rooted to the ground like she'd become a part of the room itself paralyzed looming arms-hanging lip. Clutched in her left hand, a small hammer. The same one I'd used to pry the nails out from above the fireplace, but now it was covered in red. (gasps) No! Blood. Oof. Then she started shaking. A strange, soundless movement, somewhere between weeping and laughter. I stepped backwards, and she looked over her shoulder towards me. Her face was pale, sunken cheeks. Her eyes were gently shut. With surprising speed, the trail of ants climbed up the side of her leg onto her back over her shoulder and began to circle around her neck. An unearthly choker. Her mouth twisted into a pain toothy grimace, and then the ants started swarming her face. What the fuck? Crawling into her nostrils, her mouth. Ew! writhing ants frantically forcing their way between the cracks of her gums her teeth but she remained unfazed unmoving the sight was so terrible so incomprehensible i questioned if it was even real then the ants began to recede disappearing into her face until there was only one ant left wriggling its way between her blood red gums writhing until finally it slipped through her teeth when an with an almost audible schlick. Abigail's eyes snapped open, cold and blue, wide, mystified. She is made of ants!
1: Yes, I was right, Allie.
0: I never said <laughs> that! <seen> yeah, <laughs> you, Jordan was right, Allie. I was a hater, I was a non-believer. She looked down at the blood-drenched hammer in her hand, face-filling with a hor- horrific mixture of terror and unimaginable g- unimaginable guilt she whispered my name isn't i took a slow step backward my name isn't eve oh she spun around and took a step towards me a sudden unbalanced movement as if puppeteered from above staggering forward she raised the hammer back wound up a strike and i turned heel and hold it the fuck out of there abigail in pursuit I barreled up the stairs, out of the empty room, into the hallway, and ran, faster than I'd ever ran in my entire goddamn life. Behind me, her bare feet slapped against the concrete, gaining, wait, she gasped. Scrambling forward, I slid around a corner. Doors on either side blurred past, numbered, symmetrical, wait, wasn't I already here? Ahead of me, a dead end, above- Why are the doors numbered? They were before, too, but we don't know why. Under the basement, in the sub-basement, they're numbered. I don't like that. I don't either. Um, ahead of me, a dead end. Above me, the ominous drones returned with a vengeance. Behind me, footfalls getting, st- getting closer. Left with no choice, I shoved into the deer's room, pulled the door shut, and reached for the no-lock fuck. I scanned around, hunting for a weapon, something to bar the door, a place to hide anything. But there wasn't, wait, in the far corner, a shuttered wardrobe. Without thinking, I hurtled over, whipped inside, yanked the door shut, and held it there. All the while, the scraping sound from upstairs grew louder. My heart pumped with short sputtering sprints. Fuck, 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 fuck. shut the fuck up, Eve. Calm down, just calm the fuck down. It's only one person. Yeah, but she's armed with a hammer and ants crawled into her face and she's probably going to. Stop, just stop. First off, turn the flashlight off. It's lighting you up like a billboard. My inner voice was starting to sound weirdly similar to a frustrated Charlie. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I switched off the flashlight. Okay, it's off? Yeah. Good. Now breathe. Inhale slowly through your nostrils, hold it, and then exhale through your mouth. I breathed in through my nose, held it, then exhale through my mouth. Did that help? My heart still thumped like a stampede. Do it again, dipshit. Okay, maybe my inner voice was a little meaner than Charlie, but it was actually helping. My heart rate was slowing down. Continuing to focus on my breath, I peered out through the wardrobe shutters in the dark room. Now the sound from upstairs was unbearably loud—an ever-rising earthquake, getting stronger and stronger. Then the door, the door to the room, swung open, swung open. Instant silence. There she stood, bloody hammer in hand, Abigail. Deeply regretting my choice of hiding spot, I sucked in a spurt of air and held my breath. Be quiet. Abigail loomed into the room, almost bending over as she passed through the doorframe. Holy fuck, she was tall. Hammer at the ready, she crept deeper. I'm, I'm sorry, she trailed off as she started circling the room like a caged animal. I'm sorry about Charlie, she whimpered she's still alive but thomas said it was the only way i could leave what did she mean what happened to charlie was that charlie's blood on the hammer questions raced through me but my survival instinct pushed back escape survive figure this out later all the while i was still holding my breath still desperately trying not to make a sound pins and needles pricked against my face lungs growing tighter Abigail wandered around the room for what felt like an eternity. Then she lurched to a stop, sighed, turned for the door, and drifted away. One painfully slow step at a time. Every fiber of my being screamed, Don't breathe. Don't you fucking breathe. Just hang on a little longer. But my lungs forced me to gasp in air. Abigail froze in the doorframe peered back over her shoulder, and looked directly at the wardrobe.
1: No.
0: Then she tilted her head, the exact same way the shadowy figure on the basement steps did. Head still cocked, she stepped back into the room, and out from her ear, down onto her neck, crawled a thin line of ants. Holy fucking Christ. She took a step closer and another one, Eve, is that you? She whispered, edging forward. Her voice was tinged with repressed excitement now, like she was about to pull off a horrific prick. Eve, don't worry. Eve, everything's going to be okay. We can help each other. You can help me leave. And I, I can f- I can help you find your Charlie. Lips quivering, she stood right in front of the wardrobe now, staring at me through the shutters. Her eyes were empty like a doll's. Her cold breath brushed against my face frigid slowly raising her hand she slid her long fingers into the shutters reaching for me i leaned back as far as i could but her jagged overgrown fingernails scratched against my cheek it's okay eve she whispered again the ants were now flooding off her hands rushing down from her fingers onto nails and onto my face Swarming ants crept over my skin, towards my mouth, towards enough. In one quick motion, I pressed my palm up against her outstretched fingers until they snapped back with a sickening crack. I drop-kicked the door open, and Abby wrenched to the side, shrieking bloody murder, her mangled fingers still caught between the shutters, trapped. The hammer flew from her hand and slid to a stop in the doorway. Shooting across the room, I snagged the hammer and kept running, frantically spitting ants out of my mouth all the while. Behind me, Abigail screeched and wailed, struggling to yank her twisted hand out from the shutters. Good fucking luck. Doors blurred past as I darted down the hallway, hunting for the stairs. Escape, just escape. Behind me, her warbled screams echoed, getting louder, closer. She was free. She was gaining on me, and this time she was vengeful. Part of me wanted to turn around and smash her skull in, but I doubted I could bring myself to do it, even in self-defense. Plus, I wasn't sure if she was even human. So I just kept running, until finally I came upon the stairs, still highlighted with the trail of blood. Sorry, Charlie. But if I don't get out of here now, we're both fucked.
2: Sorry, Charlie.
0: I bounded upwards until behind me Abigail's cold, writhing hands grasped at my heels, reached for my ankles, tried to pull me back into the darkness, but the door was just in sight. I was almost there, almost free and I burst into the living room, spun around, shouldered slammed the door shut, expecting a struggle, but there was nothing. No more fo- no more footsteps, no more screaming, only silence, deafening silence what's wrong thomas's bewildered voice called out from behind
2: i love you that you gave him a stupid man voice
0: (laughs) thank you Mm -hmm. but i didn't look i was so intent on holding the door shut i almost forgot the family was even there sure they were god awful but at least ants weren't crawling out of their ears not yet anyway behind me i could hear thomas rise to a stand and march across the room i didn't look back i kept holding the door suddenly he jerked me away What's going on? He blinked at me, stunned. Then I realized what he was looking at. The blood-soaked hammer in my hand. Reaching down, he yanked it away.
1: No, you hold on to that for dear life.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, like...
2: One, like, I would have left the hammer mm-hmm. in the basement. But also, like, why does this man feel entitled to just grab this woman? Like... This is multiple times he's put his fucking hands on her. Yes. And it makes me so angry. It probably Mm -hmm. makes me angrier
0: than any other part of the story. True. (laughs) Where did you find this? He held it up, but it was no longer covered in blood. It was spotless. Oh. Inexplicably, Inexplicably spotless. He tossed it across the room. Hitting the floor, it slid to a stop in the quiet corner. I was too shocked to even respond, too exhausted to even fight back. It felt like the entire universe was slowly turning upside down. Were you hurting yourself again? His voice was filled with distress, concerned even. He began patting my hand. What? Yeah. Again? Mm Mm-hmm. He began patting his hands over my neck, my shoulders, searching for injuries. Thomas, Paige called from across the room, but he ignored her, still checking to make sure I wasn't hurt. Talk to me. What happened down there? Thomas. Paige. Oh, yeah. Paige snapped so loud he almost jumped. He looked back. She stared him down with a vicious glare. Take her upstairs. You're scaring the children. The kids were sitting in front of the fireplace, (laughs) gaping at me in shock. And that's when it finally hit me. Everything was different. Completely different. The furniture. The rugs on the floor. The candles on the table, the paintings on the walls, everything. The house was now decorated like a throwback American dream home. I opened my mouth to speak, but only a sputtering wheeze escaped. What the fuck was happening? Barf. Yeah. Sighing, Thomas tightened his grip, pulled me away, and pushed me into the foyer. I don't know what happened down there, but I need you to listen to me. He stared into my eyes, deadly serious. You have to get yourself together, or I'm calling the ward. Do you understand, Abby? The kids can't have their aunt running around the house like a lunatic. What the fuck? I stared up at him blankly. Abby, their aunt? Was this really his plan? Was he really going gonna try and convince me I was his sister all along? How fucking stupid did he think I was? The dumb shit might have worked on a twelve-year-old Abigail, but not me. It would take a fuck ton more than a redecorated house to make me believe I was a completely different person. I cleared my throat. What? What did you do to my house? Ignoring the question, he took a new tact, smiling sadly. You're my sister. I'd do anything to help you, but I can't put my sister's fam, uh, my family's safety at risk any longer. Do you understand? For a moment, part of me wondered if I was truly insane, if I might be actually be his sister. But none of that made any sense. That's not how hallucinations work, right? Not how insanity works, right? Besides, everything that happened so far was technically inside the realm of plausibility. Insanely fucked up, yes, but not impossible. Maybe they were, they were working with other people. Maybe they moved all the furniture inside while I was downstairs. Maybe they drugged me with hallucinogenics after I hit my head. Or maybe. Maybe Abigail's journal was right. Maybe Thomas really did live here before the house was even built. Before the trees were even planted. Maybe he came from the woods in the light of Eve. Those were just ramblings of an unwell mind. He's only a person, a psychopath, but a person nonetheless. I refocused. Play along until the police show up or until you find the right moment to escape. Come back with help and save Charlie. Don't escalate things yet. Smiling back, I nodded gently. Good. Now, he continued, we were just about to have dinner, and I'd love for you to join us. Show the kids everything is okay. Tell them the aunt was just looking for something down in the basement and got lost, all right? Okay. We love you, Abby. You're part of this family. He reached out and touched my shoulder gently. I shuddered, but he didn't seem to notice or care. You'll get through this, he continued. You've gotten through worse. Thanks, Thomas. Smiling warmly, he turned back to the kitchen. Lingering behind, I watched him go, waited until he disappeared around the corner, and then I dashed to the front door, grabbed the handle, and locked. From the outside, I went for the window, barred. The adjacent room. What? The adjacent room. Every single window was barred. My house was like a prison now. How did he pull this off so quickly? Abby, he called out from the kitchen, ready for dinner? I stopped, took a deep breath, collected myself. Eve, you're outnumbered. Play along until help shows up. If if help doesn't show up, do whatever it takes to find Charlie. Even have, even if you have to burn this fucking house to the ground.
2: Even Ooh. if? That would have been one of my first <laughs> instincts. Yeah. Please, I'm excited <laughs> for the very last part. I have to know. Oh, I have, have to, to know. know.
0: I have so many questions. Jordan, take us home. But not to this home.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to this <laughs> home for sure yeah most take us home and
2: convince us we're all family
1: (laughs) all right let's jump right in the family was seated around the dinner table like it was their own eating laughing living it up without a care to be had but as soon as i entered the party stopped they just sat there staring at me as if i was the one who didn't belong thomas filled the dead air abigail there you are he said wiping his mouth with a red kerchief that matched his shirt you were going to share with us what happened in the basement, yes. I keep playing along, Eve. Don't escalate. Wait for help to show up, but why did they all look so calm? I I was looking for tools and got lost in the dark. I said, "It reminded me of an old memory, a scary one, and I let my imagination get the better of me, but I'm okay now. It was all in my head." Thomas gave a slight nod. Good work. The kids start um the kids started to nodded too. But Paige She just stared at me, eyes narrowing. A sharp gust of wind slammed against the windows. The house lights flickered. The family jumped. Thomas looked outside, shaking his head. These storms get worse every year, he said. Hopefully the power holds out, he motioned for me to take a seat. Hesitating, I stepped forward, pulled back an empty chair, and sat. Paige wrapped her fingers around the handle of a serrated steak knife. Your auntie is going to be moving out soon, kids," she said. What the fuck? Cutting into her steak, a blood oozing from the veins of the dead meat.
2: Veins?
1: Ooh, what is going on? Why is this
0: veiny meat?
1: Jenny, the hide and seeker, just sat there watching me. (laughs) Only now her previous gloom was gone. She looked content, cheerful almost. I stared back, searching for cracks in their performance, but there were none. Abby? Thomas chimed. I looked up. He blinked at me, expecting to answer a question I didn't even hear. You're going to explain your reasoning, he prodded, for moving out. Oh, I cleared my throat. I I just think it's time for me to be on my own. Feels like the right time. The kids nodded in unison. Well, you sure will be missed, said Thomas. But I think we can all agree it's time for a change. I managed to fake another smile. Didn't know how many more I had left in me. So, said Thomas, turning towards his daughter, how was school today? Jenny smiled sheepish. I... I don't know. Wow, you don't know. That's a first, Thomas replied playfully. Jenny gave a little shrug and smiled wider. Thomas leaned forward. You gotta tell me one thing that happened, he said. Just one thing, that's all I ask. What? What is this? Stay calm, Eve. He's just messing with you. Jenny laughed a bit. Okay, um, there... there was a dog... this dog in class today. A dog, said Thomas. What's a dog doing at school? It... It was a seeing eye dog. She squirmed in her seat, shy. Thomas sprinkled salt into a steak. A seeing eye dog? What's that? It's a dog that... It helps blind people walking around, Jenny beamed.
2: How does he not know what a seeing eye
0: dog yeah, is? The right? But he's older than the trees.
1: I know. Wow, a professional dog? What's that? Thomas raised an eyebrow. Professional? Mm-hmm. It's when you get paid for your work. Oh. Oh, I don't think the dog gets paid. Well, he should. Maybe with treats, said Jenny. Sincere. (laughs) Thomas chuckled and glanced over at me with a proud... way a proud parent does. His eyes filled with, isn't she cute? For a moment, I almost forgot everything else that was going on. Like it was just a typical family dinner. But then... What about your friend in the city? Asked Paige, killing the Mirage. Right on cue. I snapped back into the fucked up present. What? What? She gulped on another mouthful of steak. Your friend in the city, does she still have that spare room? I shook my head, not sure how to respond. Paige sighed. Your friend Charlie. My stomach twisted. Oh, I don't know if if she still lives there. I replied, continuing to play along barely.
2: I don't know if she's still alive, you psycho bitch. (laughs) Right? I don't know if she ever existed. I'm
0: questioning everything now.
2: Especially the
1: type of steak they're buying. Very
0: strange. Veiny and you gotta put sprinkles of salt on it (laughs)
1: hmm said thomas dousing his mashed potatoes with gravy we'll figure something out and don't feel rushed you can always stay longer if you need one week is just ideal for us page shot him a disapproving word look wow a whole week to move out of my very own house thanks thomas very generous i said sounding a little more sarcastic than intended page huffed and rose from the table She strode to the cupboard, grabbed a bottle of Charlie's favorite red wine, um, pursuing for an extra moment, perusing for an extra moment. She grabbed the corkscrew, eyes locked onto mine. She sat back down, twisted the corkscrew into the wine and another ruthless blast of wind pushed through the house. The lights flickered on and off until darkness, power outage. If not for the orange glow of the living room fireplace, it would have been pitch dark.
0: I'm convinced the thing in the basement can't go into the light. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And now that there's no light upstairs. Yeah.
1: Fuck Thomas up. Thomas let on an exasperated sigh. Great, I'll get the candles. Pushing up on the table he stepped out of the kitchen. Is now my chance? What do I do? The front door is locked. The windows are barred. Abigail, Queen of the Ants, is down in the basement. Uh I could even hear myself think couldn't even hear myself think. Paige kept cranking on the corkscrew, staring at me the whole time. Mm -hmm. She had to be doing it on purpose now. Then finally she popped the cork, poured her glass until it was nearly full.
2: I wonder if Paige is also a prisoner.
1: Probably. Especially, didn't she say she didn't drink?
2: She did say she didn't drink. She said a lot, though. Yeah.
0: Like, she doesn't have a phone.
2: Yeah.
1: Right to the brim, classy. But that's when I noticed the necklace. Around Paige's neck, (gasps) Charlie's necklace.
0: No,
2: Very dare. Yeah, rip it off her.
1: Right? I checked my back pocket, empty. A (sighs) flood of emotions followed. Grief, fear, confusion, rage. It started in my temples, pushed to my hands, my feet. Every single part of me was like an uncontrollable wildfire.
0: Yeah, you'd be like buzzing with anger. I think they're trying to... Yeah. Yeah. Provoke.
1: Until now, I had been in denial about what happened downstairs. Charlie wasn't hiding. Charlie wasn't being held captive. Charlie was dead. She must be. Yes, Abigail said Charlie was alive, but I saw that hammer. It was fucking covered in blood, and now Paige fucking Foster was wearing Charlie's locket like it was her own. "'Where'd you find that?' I said, and was blurting it out. "'Hmm?' said Paige, slowly looking towards me, uh, sipping her wine. "'The necklace,' I said. "'Where'd you find it?' "'Oh, just a store.' I rose to a stand. The kids tensed up, wary. Paige stared at me, confused. I moved closer. "'Wait, what was I doing here, and what was my plan?' abigail said Paige, nervous she kept blathering on but i wasn't there anymore i was in the past memories were played out in my head those strange little moments that stand out more and more as time goes by the way charlie snorted when she laughed sometimes the laugh even harder out of embarrassment the way her face lit up every time she saw a dog stick its head out of a car window the way she wrapped her arms around me from behind and nuzzled her chin up to my neck as we fell asleep All these memory plate memories played out in my head like they were happening right now. And then before I even knew what I was doing, I grabbed Paige with one hand and then corkscrew with the other arms gripped around. I pulled back and the chair fell to the floor with a crash. Time nearly slowed to time, slowed to a near stop as I held the corkscrew to the side of her throat. (gasps) Her children screamed. The fireplace crack crackled. The wind outside howled. But Paige, she was silent. For the first time in her life, she didn't have a fucking thing to say. Good. Not one word, only quick, terrified little breaths. Music. Whoa, now, said Thomas, treading into the dining room, cell phone in hand.
2: Kill Thomas. Yeah. Also, oh, he has a cell phone now, too.
1: I almost wonder if the 911 call, this is what...
0: Oh, it was about? Yeah.
1: (gasps) Whoa, now, said Thomas, treading into the dining room, cell phone in hand. I spun Page around to him. Where is Charlie? I snapped. Kids, go to your rooms. Lock the door, he said. But they didn't respond. They just sat there paralyzed. Now, he boomed. They scrambled out of the kitchen. Abigail, he spoke as calmly as possible. You have to let her go.
0: Okay, wait. Just one quick theory. Yeah. What if this is time's out of order and this Simple. is when he first called the cops because like yeah that's
1: what i was saying yeah and, uh-huh.
0: but also this is before she um gets hospitalized and that's why she's i think if abigail's herself sees herself in the hospital cost like mm-hmm. outfit
1: but she's not that tall we don't know that's true
0: so what i think
2: uh-huh. is that he Made this happen, mm-hmm. this situation. Yeah, and so oh, he yeah. preemptively called the cops. Yeah, mm-hmm. knowing and no, that they were delayed. Like, delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm interested to see because yeah, I thought about maybe her actually being Abigail too. But mm-hmm. I, mean,
0: I have yeah, and I have there's so many ideas. I just have no idea what is. But
2: then like why why the woods why the yeah
0: yeah I don't know. I have many questions.
1: What the fuck happened to Charlie? Yeah. He took a deep breath, exhaled. She's living in the city now. You told us yourself. Abby, you. Thomas, stop. My name isn't Abby. I'm fucking done with this. Just tell me where Charlie is right now or... Thomas, please. Paige's voice quivered, petrified. Paige, don't worry. She's not going to do anything. Abby, listen to me. Charlie is okay. We can call her right now and she can explain everything. And Abby, this isn't you. The medications. I know you've been missing your doses. That's what's happening here. Your mind is going through withdrawal, playing tricks on you, your sponsor. They're on their way right now. They're going to help you, and he held up his phone. Look, I I'll, i just called them, and Thomas, I yelled loud, so loud it shook the floorboards. I lowered my voice. Thomas, I need you to listen to me. Listen carefully. If you don't tell me where Charlie is, something really, really bad is going to happen. Paige winches the corkscrew pricked against her skin. Thomas, just tell her. She quivered again, riddled with fear. Thomas took another small step forward. Abby, listen to me. I need you to ground yourself. Focus on your senses. Focus on... Ooh. Wait, how does he know about that? Focus on... Sight. Paige's blonde hair. Thomas's dumbstruck face. The glow of the fireplace. Sound. Heart thumping. Panic breath. Howling wind. Smell. Red wine. Blood. Desperation. Touch. My hand gripped tightly around the corkscrew and... A sudden clawing pain shot through my right thigh. My whole body tensed up in a spasm, and I staggered backwards. Let go of Paige and looked down. Holy fuck. She stabbed a steak knife into my thigh.
2: <clears throat> Jesus Christ.
1: Then I realized my hands were empty. The corkscrew <clears throat> was gone. Paige toppled to the floor like a bowling pin. The bloody knife was still in her hand. She hit the ground, choking, gargling. What happened? <clears throat> my eyes started around for an answer until finally I saw... The corkscrew was lodged, handled deep into the side of Paige's throat. Oh, my God. I I must have. I didn't mean to. <gasps> a thin line of blood trailed down her neck onto the hardwood floor. Her mouth slowly opened and closed, opened and closed, like she was trying to speak, trying to breathe. Paige, Thomas whispered, stunned. I stumbled backwards into the kitchen.
2: You look like a fish. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Snapping from his daze, Thomas collapsed to the floor over Paige. He held her neck, trying to stop the bleeding. Paige, his voice cracked. He stared into her eyes, but her gaze just flicked side to side, empty. Desperation growing. Thomas pressed harder, trying to stop the bleeding. Mind spinning, leg throbbing. I limped out of the kitchen into the hallway. Paige Paige wasn't human, I told myself. She wasn't even real. None of this is real. But it felt real. More real than anything I'd ever felt. Every memory I ever had, good or bad, it didn't matter. Everything drowned into the present. Staggering into the midlight, moonlit foyer... I went for the door, locked. I already knew that. Fuck. I needed to get out of here. I looked down. A dark circle of warm blood seeped through my jeans. Deal with that later. Just to get outside, I turned around. I remembered. Then and remembered. The hammer. I could use the hammer to pry it open. The door.
2: <gasps> oh, yeah.
1: Paige. Thomas whimpered from the kitchen. I'm here. I'm here, Paige. I'm not leaving.
2: I am... The most surprising part of the story so far is to find out that Thomas actually likes Paige. <laughs> True. Right.
1: Focus, Eve. I swept back into the living room, trudged to the so called quiet corner, snatched up the hammer, and scrambled back to the foyer. Wasting no time, I shimmied it down, shimmied it, pry bars st- um, first into the door frame and wrenched back. The wood splintered and stained. I kept prying, kept pulling, but it seemed hopeless. It seemed. Thomas screamed, animalistic, filled with unimaginable grief, rage, and I knew exactly what it meant. Paige was dead. Bye! (laughs) Bye, Felicia. No, no, no. He tread off into a strange, guttural moan, tragic and terrifying all at once. He clenched his fist, thud against the floor, an impact so heavy I could hear the hardwood crack. More screaming, thrashing. Now he was breaking things, tearing apart the kitchen, wrathful. I pried on the door harder and harder, but it was no use. It wouldn't budge. Abigail, he screamed, voice filled with murder. Fuck the door, hammer still in hand, I scrambled upstairs. Thomas charged into the foyer, just in time to see me disappear at the top of the steps. Right leg going numb, I pushed off the wall, staggered down the hall. Behind me, footsteps thundered up the stairs like an ever-rising drum. I tried the first door, locked. The next one, locked. My eye shot down to the end of the hall. Abigail's bedroom. Fuck it. I burst inside, slammed the door shut, spinning around. I pressed my back up against it. I scanned the room, searching for somewhere to hide. Not somewhere to... Abigail. She was standing in the far corner of her room. Back turned, head slumped. Shaking, sobbing, weeping. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She whimpered again and again. Sorry about what? Behind me, the door burst open. And Thomas slammed into me like a freight train, thrusting me against a bare a barred window he jammed his forearm against my throat crushing it he stared into my eyes silent possessed by rage sorrow as i got him for... right go for it you have a hammer smack him in the head yeah as i grasped for, grasped for air i looked into the far corner empty abigail was gone was she even there to begin with i looked back to thomas before this i thought maybe he had been putting on a show but now i could finally see it in his eyes he actually believed he lived in this house He actually believed I was his sister, but we did so much for you. He snarled, spit sprang in my face. We gave you everything with his free hand. He clutched me by the hair, jerked my head forward and smashed it back into the wall, throbbing pain. Jesus. We accepted you into our home. He slammed his head, my head back again. Harder this time. Each impact heavier than the last pain radiated. Vision grew blurry this was it I was going to die this was might as well fight back dipshit <laughs> with my left leg and all of my remaining strength I need him in the stomach winded he staggered backwards and crumpled into his knees I grasped in air barely conscious he looked up readied himself to lunge and I swung the hammer claw in first wow <gasps> into the side of his face a sickening crack filled the room as it lodged into his jaw <clears throat> still on his knees Thomas stared up in the disbelief He didn't think I was capable of this. Neither did I. Our eyes locked for a strange quiet moment and then I pressed my foot onto his stomach, pushed it forward and with both arms, all my strength wrenched back. The hammer tore open his face Mm -hmm. with a sickening wet sound. His perfect teeth ripped out and (gasps) cluttered cluttered (gasps) to the floor in a bloody mess.
2: Oh, that hurt my teeth thinking about it. Yeah, I don't like that.
1: He crumpled over, blood trailed down his jaw, over his neck. The torn Uh flap of his cheek hung open, dangling. Uh fucking horrific but slowly i raised the hammer tensed up and thomas started sobbing his pitiful rising whimpers filled abigail's room like a noxious cloud he was holding his face now as if trying to put himself back together blood seeped through his fingers and his whimpering grew more panicked more desperate please please don't abby please he sputtered drooling ropes of blood onto the floor and all the while i just stood there hammer raised readying myself to finish the job but i couldn't Despite all of my fear, all of my hatred, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Paige was an accident. I'm not a killer. I lowered my arm. The blood-soaked hammer slipped from my hand and fell onto the floor. I staggered backwards toward the hallway, stepped out, and started to pull the door shut. But it was the last second. Thomas' eyes snapped up. His face twisted into a mangled grim. Where are you going, Eve? What? I yanked the door shut and howled it. Why the fuck did he just call me that? hold that thought i grabbed a red chair from the hallway and wedged it under the door handle focus but why the fuck was he smiling at me stop eve focus help isn't coming they would have been here by now get outside to the neighbors but the front door was locked all the windows were barred maybe there was something the attic the porthole window there's no way that's barred just to get up there onto the roof and find a way down jump in the snowbank if you have to I yanked down the attic staircase and climbed, wincing pain through every step. All the while, not a peek from Abigail's bedroom, not a bang on the door, not a whimper, not even a footstep, only silence, terrifying silence. Hoisting myself up, I ran to the narrow hallway, ignoring the pain. Keep moving. Lightheaded, I stumbled into the corner room, to the porthole window, and pushed it open. I shimmied myself up through a tight fit, wriggling my way out. A hand clutched around my ankle and waved <gasps> me back inside. I slammed into the splinter-ridden floor chin first and spun around just in time to see the moonlight glisten off of Thomas's torn open face.
2: What the fuck?
1: How did he get up here so quick? He lunged onto me, wrapped his hands around my throat, and started to squeeze me. We built this house, he boomed <clears> like a mad apostle. <throat> slobbering blood onto my face, I reached up, grabbed his wrist, tried to pull them away, but it was no use. He squeezed tighter, a lump formed in my throat like an ever-expanding cyst. I couldn't breathe. I was fading. Shadows crawled from the corners of my eye. Everything was becoming nothing. He lowered his voice to a spitting whisper. We sowed the forest. Great. I get to die listening to a psychotic <laughs> maniac. Right then, a shining glint caught the corner of my eye. I looked over. Oh, the yeah, universal Ty. child chains. Tire chains.
2: <gasps>
1: Thanks, Charlie. With the final push of resistance, I reached, wrapped the tips of my finger around the chain, and we gave life to i swung the chains cracked into his temple his head twisted to the side a red cordon of blood whipped on the floor the wall the turtle painting slowly he turned back to me but now his gaze was empty vacant blood trailed from his cracked temple into his twitching eye and dripped onto my cheek his grip loose loosened we were here before before the he trot off into incoherent mumbles The tire chain still in my hand, I shoved him off me and pushed up standing. Thomas tried to stand too, but he couldn't. He fell back to his knees and looked up at me, barely conscious. He kept trying to talk, only to mutter incoherently. Kept trying to stand, only to fall back down. I crept around, faced him from behind. Where is Charlie? I demanded. But Thomas only responded with more meaningless mumbles. Enough, I breathed in. And on my exhale, I wrapped chains around his neck. I pulled back and reached up, pawing, trying to tear them away, futile, weak. Pulling tighter, I pressed my knee into his back and I pushed. He gasped, choking, wheezing. I pulled back even harder. He coughed a spatter of blood. His efforts to fight were fading with each passing second until finally... Stop. I looked up. And the doorway, eyes wide with terror, stood Charlie. (gasps) I froze in shock, releasing Thomas, and staggering back he fell forward, gasping for breath, barely alive. Charlie, I whispered. But Charlie was looking down, absorbing the sight of a devastated Thomas. Then she looked up at me. Questions shuffled through my head so rapidly I couldn't. Charlie's even speak. in on it. What about the phone in the basement? How was she okay? How was she alive? All the while Charlie didn't say a word. She just stood there, eyes filled with growing fear. But she wasn't scared of Thomas. She was scared of me.
0: Mm.
1: Charlie, wait! I finally managed, lowering the chains. I took a step forward, but she stepped back, eyes flicked down, and the blood slicked weapon in my hand. I dropped the chains and took another step. Charlie kept backing away, shaking her head, on the verge of tears, devastated. Downstairs, the front door burst open. Heavy footsteps clamored through the foyer. Up the stairs, sirens. Charlie, I can explain, I can. I stammered, voice cracking. She looked into my eyes one last time and turned away, disappearing down the hallway she's up here said charlie wait i stepped over thomas into the hallway and two police officers grabbed me by the arm shoved me to the wall face first pink insulation sliced my skin like paper cuts they clasped handcuffs around my wrist and yanked me back i didn't even fight i didn't even speak i just stared blankly at the as they tugged me through the attic now from exhaustion and blood loss i was slipping in and out of consciousness They dragged me down the upstairs hallway through a few paramedics rushed into the attic. My gaze drifted across the wall. The dumbwaiter's chute was once again covered up (gasps) as if they were never even there to begin with. They pulled me around the corner. My eyes landed on a cracked bedroom door. From behind it, Jenny peered out, face filled with inconsolable dread. They pulled me down the stairs into the foyer towards the front door. As they pulled me outside, I looked and saw a painting. On the foyer wall, a painting of the house covering up the jagged holes, Thomas' family was in it, him, Paige, and three kids, all of them standing out front, happy, smiling, but behind them, peering out through the pothole window, porthole window, a hazy, solitary figure, eternally trapped. Outside, the storm was over now. The snow was melting. As the sun crept up over the distant mountains, the sky split down the middle, half night, half day. On the ground, commotion everywhere, fire trucks, cop cars, ambulances, neighbors crowding on the street, Harpreet and Miguel among them. My eyes started around looking for Charlie, but she was nowhere to be seen. The cops dragged me down the driveway past the yellow tape through the crowds onto the street, and I saw. Standing at the edge of the forest, hands once again covering her face like a -a peekaboo, Abigail. But slowly she started to pull her hands apart, revealing her face a bit by bit, until finally showing herself fully. This time, in the early morning light, her once dull eyes were now perme- um, permeating with life, vitality. Her once sunken face looked full again, red-cheeked. She looked straight into the terror-stricken soul and smiled, serene, a look of pure, contented peace, grateful, grateful for what. Then she turned around, withdrew into the darkened woods, away from the crowds, the chaos, the house. Before I could even process what this meant, I was thrown back into the van, and the door slammed shut. Darkness. Everyone keeps calling me Abigail, but my name is Eve. I was born on October 3rd. Hey, that's my mom's birthday. 1987, at 2.56 in the morning. My current residence is 3719 Heritage Lane. My partner, the love of my life, is Charlie Bastion. We renovate old houses and flip them for profit. We've been together for the last seven years. My name is Eve Palmer, but everyone keeps calling me Abigail Foster. Now, even according to the official documents, the family owns the house, and they've been living there for years. All my neighbors vouch for them, even Harpreet and Miguel. Nobody recognizes me anymore, not even Charlie. I still look the way I always have, but everyone treats me like a completely different person. So now, beyond all reason, all justice, I'm locked away in a criminal psych ward, charged with one count of homicide and one count of attempted, locked away in a room no bigger than a walk-in closet, white walls, rickety bed, cold fluorescent light. I'm not sure how long it's been anymore. Could be months, could be years." According to the lead doctor here, I've been in and out-of-minute wards my whole life. They tell me I've got a laundry list of psychotic delusions. They say my, my version of events, the story above, is nothing but an elaborate hallucination mixed in with little bits of reality. Complete fucking bullshit. I've done enough reading to know that psychotic delusions and hallucinations don't work that way. They don't work like they do in the stories, with continuity. The tide of loose ends, they weren't hallucinations. These weren't delusions, somehow. Thomas Foster bent reality around me like a frayed wire. I'm pretty sure his sister Abigail was in on it too. I'm still putting it all together, but I think she took me down in exchange for her freedom. Mm-hmm. I think she replaced me. As for the rest of his family. I don't know if they were in on it. How captive or something in between. I'm still figuring that out. What about Charlie? According to so-called officials, Charlie was nothing more than my part-time sponsor for the last six mm-hmm. months. Basically a volunteer caretaker. Maybe that's what she is now. Maybe that's what she is in this reality. At first, I thought everyone was pulling some horrific stunt on me, even the doctors. But like I said, neighbors, friends, even my own parents, nobody recognizes me anymore. It's like Thomas Foster pushed reality into a completely different reality. Pushed me into a completely different reality. So who do I turn to? Charlie? I've tried to contact her dozens of times, email, phone, even letters. She's never responded, not even once. The only good thing about this place is the library. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure this facility needs people who actually need it, but I don't need it. I'm not psychotic. Thomas Foster is. That said, if this place didn't have a library, there's a good chance I would have actually lost my mind. They've got computers with internet too. Slow internet, but still. That's where I've been doing my research, writing the real version of events, putting together my case. I still have Abigail's journal too, so I'm threading together pieces from it. Figuring out what Thomas is, how to stop him. I'm not going to share everything until my case is airtight. But you just wait. Soon enough, the whole world will know what Thomas Foster did to me. Either way, I don't care if you believe me or not. Even if I had all the evidence of the world, it wouldn't matter to some of you. I need to convince the few people I still care about first. Then I'll worry about everyone else. But despite all this, I feel hopeless. As long as I can stay stable, play along with the doctors, if nothing sets me off, then I can finally get out of this place then i can finally talk to charlie in person and explain what happened find a way to make everything go back to how it was before at least that's how i felt up until a week ago i was lying on my bed when my eyes caught something up in the white stucco ceiling a solitary aunt aimlessly wandering in circles no abigail a voice snapped out me out of a daze i turned sitting in the doorway a nurse two security guards behind her you have a visitor flickering cold fluorescent lights cast over the visiting room faded brick walls spaced apart tables guards standing at attention at every doorway finally the door buzzed open and in walked thomas foster the father my supposed brother a sickening chill crawled down my spine he caught my eyes from across the room and gave me a lopsided smile the side of my face was scarred but considering the injury surprisingly well healed his eyes were bright present I looked down at the table, staring at my handcuffed wrist. Part of me wasn't expecting the visitor to be Charlie. Part of me was expecting the visitor to be Charlie. I don't know why. Still holding out hope, I guess. Thomas sat down across from me. A long silence passed, buzzing lights from somewhere deep within the ward. Muffled hysterical laughter. Laughter that slowly turned into sorrowful weeping. Abigail, said Thomas, finally breaking the silence. I didn't look up. My eyes traced back and forth along the handcuffs chain he cleared his throat it it's okay if you're so not ready to talk i understand i just wanted to share a few things thomas waited for me to acknowledge him i didn't so he just kept going this is kind of odd but do you remember walter nope he continued walter my pet tortoise you actually made me a painting of him for my fifth birthday still up in my office he breathed out of his nose i must have been six maybe seven when he died even little things can still feel pretty world ending when you're a kid. Everyone kept trying to make me feel better except dad. He said I need to get over it by the end of the day. Thomas chuckled bitterly. Mom said it was normal. Tommy, she told me, pets die all the time. Part of life. Walter's up in heaven now. Tommy, uh, Thomas sighed, shifting weight. I don't know if you remember this, but you were the only one who actually made me feel better. I looked up. But he was looking down at the table now. You just sat beside me, he continued, wrapped an arm around my shoulder and let me cry. That's it. No lessons, no advice, no ultimatums. You just sat there quietly and let me know if it's okay to feel like crap sometimes, even if it was just a stupid turtle. He sniffled a little bit, eyes starting to water. Gosh, Abby, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about you lately, and... He looked right at me, but I looked away. It's okay if you don't want to talk, he went on. I get that. I just wanted to let you know that. He paused a moment, thinking over his next words carefully. I've been working on myself a lot, and through all of this, your relapse, my injuries, page passing, I've rejoined the church, don't know if you even knew I'd lost my faith, but he paused again, expecting me to say something, but I remained silent, he cleared his throat, I've been talking with the doctors here, they say you've made a lot of progress, they said as long as you keep it up, keep improving, follow their guidance, as long as nothing unexpected happens, you could be out of here, probably on probation sooner than you think. I remain quiet. Look, he said, I've come to accept that you weren't in control of your actions. You have a condition, a condition you're getting treated for, and I just wanted to say to let you know that Abby, he leaned in slightly, Abby, could you look at me? Slowly I turned and stared blankly into his eyes. He stared back for a sullen mo- moment. I forgive you. The words <sighs> hung in the air like a rotting stench. What a
2: saint. Yeah.
1: But my face remained neutral i looked away thomas kept hovering waiting for a response but again i gave him fuck all i wasn't playing his make-believe game not anymore a few ten seconds went by and he nodded slowly i understand we can talk about it when you're ready he stood up turned to leave and froze oh i almost forgot pivoting back he reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a manila envelope the guard said i could leave this here he placed it on the table i know it meant a lot to you and charlie Finally, I looked back up at him. For the briefest of moments, his face twitched, And then he smiled sadly, turned around, and went for the exit. Footsteps punctuated the silence. The door buzzed shut as he left the room. I just sat there staring at the envelope. I already knew what was inside, but I couldn't bring myself to look. Seconds dragged by like minutes until finally I reached forward, opened it, and looked in. Aching sorrow filled every part of me. Inside, just as I expected, was the locket. Charlie's locket. I pulled it out, flicked it open, and there it was, the photo of me, the one Charlie took when we first started dating, the one she put up in her gallery on that rainy Seattle day, the one in which, at the last second I had turned away, held up my hands and hid my face, the only known photo of Eve Palmer. Mm
2: -hmm. Why would he go in and just prove to her that she's, she's right all along?
1: (laughs) Because he knows she's evil. helpless. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He did what he True wanted to do. evil. Brave.
1: Wow. Also, just to let you know, the story ends with a highlighted... Um, mm-hmm. the sto- uh, hold on, let me reread it. This is not the end. And it is hyperlinked to a our polterkites subreddit.
0: Holy shit. This is truly an epic. <clears throat>
1: Indeed. Oh, Polterkites is the writer of this story. Oh,
2: okay. Is
1: is that how it ends? That's how it ends, but there might eventually be a part two.
2: Part five, I think, (laughs) (laughs) actually.
0: (laughs) Wow. Just wow. I I go back and forth because I'm like, this could be a Memento Mori shit. Yeah. Where... Like, obviously, mental health doesn't work like this, but this is a fictional story. Yeah. But I also just think the true horror is a monster who would be able to do something like that and fuck with women time and time again mm-hmm. throughout yeah, history. It,
2: seems like, it almost seems like he's always looking for the replacement Abby. Yeah,
0: that exactly. That was my
1: thought. Yeah.
0: And it- I, I take it that way in the end. Mm -hmm. i just love how there's that like sprinkled out
2: i want to know who we are like i wanted him to finish that sentence that's
0: what always drives me crazy
2: about these kinds of horrors is they're not tied up in a pretty bow Uh and it's the that's what leaves me thinking about it and that's what leaves things lingering with me is like the questions left
0: well i really like that because think about it like women like this to me women have been like Gaslit and manipulated, and as soon as one escapes, they find a replacement. And so, like, holy
2: shit! Speaking of Jane Eyre, (laughs)
0: literally, (laughs) god, I wonder if this was inspired by Jane Eyre at all. I don't know. I I love the sentence, like, here before the trees, because that both makes it like something like natural but unnatural.
2: I was. It kind of brought me back to the Skinwalker thing. Yeah, same. So, like, between that and um, Changelings. Yeah. I just seemed very
0: fey. Yeah. But also, like, why?
2: And the cave to the wood. Like, oh, why? that was so
0: cool. Oh, and yeah. it just. Well, well like, that's the thing. Like, think about it. Even, even beforehand, if this isn't that olden house. Like, the idea of it being on land and this thing being tied to the land. hmm And it happening in every aspect. Like, it would connect these things throughout mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And even if, like, you literally burned it down salt to the ground, like, I think it would just rebuild. hmm And I think also the patriarchy does the yeah. same. Yeah. Time was... Classic. Classic. <laughs> Do you think... um
2: Shoot, what was I going to say? I don't understand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If uh, I had a lawyer, and I was like, I can prove it to you, there's a fucking cave in the basement, there's a sub-basement in the basement, with books, like, you'd think they'd get a search warrant, even if they thought she had, like, um psychosis, or, or like, yeah, something. yeah, even if they thought it was like ideation or delusion yeah. like yeah. you could still get a warrant there's still a plausible cause Wait, well
1: I would say that's probably the next part of the story though because she was talking about getting her case airtight
0: yeah I, I really hope and I would say even if it ends here I do think that is something that's an option when the legal system works for you oh right right but,
2: <laughs> yeah
1: if the story does pick up I want it to be the next Abigail. Yes,
0: yeah. that would be so good. Uh-huh. This It would be a really good Netflix series if God. that's the case. Yeah. This is so creepy. I love it. So much similar to The Barbarian.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, very
0: similar. Very similar in some parts. Not the ending, but definitely. I have not seen it, so I. Yeah, will take we went without, without you end. because you would not want to see it.
2: Oh, it's one of those. Yeah. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we're free, Breeze, not. Ooh, horror movie that will stick with Brie. <laughs> Let's see that, like, negatively stick with you. Uh-huh. I got
1: you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what's what do you guys rate this story?
0: A hundred percent masterpiece. This gets a uh, an A plus gold star.
1: Yeah, definitely one of the best no sleeps I've
2: ever read. ever.
0: I think the best one I've ever read. Yeah. It is really well thing. written. Yeah,
2: truly. I Almost will say, like somebody has a lot of time on their hands with slow internet. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm down to, like, two night lights because I just think I want to, like, mull it over in, like, a dim-lit room. hmm Yeah. Yeah, I think, like,
2: now that we're at the end, mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably at two. Because it's, like, it's scary, but I no longer have that suspense. Yeah. I think They're apart now.
1: <laughs> there's something about the leaving it up for you to decide. Mm-hmm um what how it actually ends makes always a little less scary
2: yeah true to
1: me for some reason
2: i do i do want to talk about like Mm -hmm. with the charlie that came up i kind of think i kind of think there's some shape-shifting happening yeah because like (gasps) yes i really do because she didn't see charlie again when she left
0: the house i bet that charlie is charlie's dead. dead. yeah charlie's 100% dead what if i oh i have chills i literally have goosebumps on half my body i completely think thomas is a shapeshifter and especially when he gets like fucking mauled his face to be able to survive and regroup from that yeah um and she doesn't talk about like horrific scarring she like, said
2: there's like a little bit, but it's healed surprisingly well. Exactly. And she doesn't know how long. She was like, months? That's not a months long no. healing. That's like yeah.
0: years and still. Truly. Yeah, so I I very much believe that he is a shapeshifter. And yeah. I'm curious the
2: family aspect of it. The the nonchalantness of the family makes me think that either they're under his control, Mm-hmm. Which but Paige kind of, like, isn't, or Paige is her yeah. own thing. Because he did say we, and I don't yeah. know if he meant him and Abigail. Mm-hmm. Though Abigail was like, he is not my brother, he is not my brother. Yeah, Abigail seemed like a victim of...
0: His...
2: Yeah, so I kind of think it was him and Paige.
0: But I'm also like, he's a great manipulator. Like, he yeah, he hard to say. Yeah, he to her pr- things probably do seem chill and yeah. like now the house stuff changing and stuff that not so much. Yeah, that but was weird. That was
2: real fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like uh, I thought it was really cool mm-hmm. how much the story evolved and like yeah. how we had different theories as things were going. Yeah,
0: that was good. I also think, what if he told his wife, like. My sister is, like, Mm deranged. We need to go. We need to not tell her we're moving in. But we're bringing all our stuff. Like, how far could he have manipulated that way? I feel like... With being able to manipulate
2: some reality, time is kind of one of those. So I feel like he probably could have made it so that... I don't know. I don't know. With, like, the whole... Oh, you've been out for 15 minutes, but it's dark out. Like, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something. There's something going on. It's bizarre. And it's kind of like that, like, I think supernatural and evil, like, like, you can't see things fully clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, even when there's not manipulation, there's just time gaps and brain gaps. hmm oh, oh, I really love f- this. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you. what do you, Thank you think? Thank
2: you, Jordan. No problem. What the... Biggie said, no nightlights, I am dead tired. <laughs> yeah, she's conked out. I did have to wake her up from snoring. Yeah. So if you hear snoring and heavy breathing, it's the dog. Or my fiancé. Oh, very fair. Was also One of the
0: on two. Couch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so everyone online, um, mm-hmm. let us know if you like this kind of mm-hmm. long-form storytelling in these episodes, or if you prefer, prefer like, shorter ghost Stories or yeah, just tell us your general thoughts. Yeah, we like if you've to read mix it up and yeah. your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Definitely want to hear your theories. Oh, please tweet us, text us. <laughs> text <laughs> us. <laughs> if you have my number, I'm concerned. <laughs> or it's your mom. <laughs> or it's my mom. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Hi Shelly. Shelly. you can text me. <laughs> Everyone else, uh Instagram, tweet, whatever. Please tweet me.
2: Yeah. I run our Twitter. And only uh, Allie's fiancé likes my tweets. <laughs> I feel like Jeb Bush. Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> and Ben's like, okay. That's my favorite thing in politics. <laughs> mm, truly. Please clap.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Peace out, homies. That is not how this ends. That's what my nephew always says. Peace out, homies. I
2: love him. It's adorable. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this week's adventure, and special thanks to Anthony Ployhar for our original music. Find more at eeriequery.com, share your stories to Pod at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at eeriequery. Bye! Bye! Bye, <laughs> bye, bye! bye. <laughs>